Welcome to Veterans Day of Mind, I'm Garrett Jones and we have a very special guest for you today. Before we get into him, I just want to say thank you to Combat Fuel for sponsoring today's podcast. You know how I feel about Combat Fuel, guys. You know how I feel about Juicy Gains and how I feel about the gym in general. I know it's been a hard year for the gym, um, not being able to get down there regularly. It's open, it's closed, but you know, got to make the best of a bad situation. Uh, personally, I find that a lot harder to work out at home than I do go in the gym. When I go to the gym, I feel it's part of that routine. You know, you get your brain clicking, switching into the right gears. Um, at home, sometimes I need a little help to get me through a workout. And that's why I love pre-workout from Combat Fuel. Strawberry and lime flavor is my favorite. You bosh a scoop of that, guys. I don't care what mood you're in. You're working out and that's that. You haven't got a choice at that point. The uh, <laughs> You've committed yourself. I love the pump-up protein too. Uh, sorry, pump-up pre-workout. Oh, it's called a pump-up protein. Pump-up pre-workout. Love that. Sometimes mix it with a regular one. Uh, you get a ridiculous pump on the back of that. I'm also a big fan of zinc and magnesium supplements that they have in the stock at the moment. As I've said before to the gentleman... You will, uh, <laughs> you will, you you will notice the difference in the mornings when you wake up. Put it that way. So get some of that zinc magnesium down you, and um, just check them out. Go over to CombatFuel.co.uk or at CombatFuel and check out their range. All right, today's guest is one of the biggest DJs in the UK and nay the world. Um, he's absolutely exploded um, over the last few years. Um, it's been awesome uh, to see to see his kind of journey, and I think he's the perfect guest to come on today and talk about the similarities that we have between um, veterans leaving the military and people in o- other careers, you know, who who have careers where they have excitement um, and and all these kind of things. And also, you know, just one of the things I really want to get across to you guys is just how you get told in life, this is the way it's got to be, this is the way you've got to make your way. And it's just not the case. You can you can make your own way, whether that be going into the army or whether that be going into music or whatever. Um, and, I, and I really think today's guest is, um, is, 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 is a great one to kind of get that point um, across to you. I really enjoyed today's conversation, guys, and I'm sure you will do too. Please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Ben Nicky. Ben, welcome to the podcast, bro. Thanks for coming on. How are you, man? I'm good, mate. I'm 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 good, and I know um, you know you and me. We have a, a chat sometimes, and I bring out all my conspiracy theories and everything like that, and I get I get wound up. But at the end of the day, mate, I think like we're looking back on it now. I had a pretty good 2020, and 2021 is off to a good start, mate. So can't complain. How's things with you? Yeah, good, mate. It's a bit of a life life change for me, just going from being uh, pretty active every day to sat at home playing Call of Duty and starting Pokemon <laughs> collections. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, it's it's different, mate. But you know what? Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just embracing it as much as I can. And um, same as yourself, man. So, I'm quite a positive person, so um, just trying to stay positive. You know. What we'll have to do, mate, is I'll put your um, your Call of Duty like what is it like a username or something. I'll put that in the notes later so people can. Uh... Oh, don't! It's gone mad already. <laughs> I, I've had like I'll get like I, I'll be like playing and some random kid will like join halfway through with his mum in the background screaming and yeah it's, it's funny but I, sometimes it could be a bit tedious but yeah it's good fun around didn't you have like people playing your music in the lobby or something like that I was... yeah i did i actually did um about about i don't know about a month ago i just i invited like 200 fans on to call of duty and we played like a live we just had a lobby and then like obviously it was the winner 
the winner takes all kind of thing. But yeah, it's good fun, man. I actually, I don't know. I think it's as much as Call of Duty is a game. I actually look at it in terms of it's fun, like your team building with your mates and you like got objectives. And I, I look at it from that point of view. I actually really enjoy that, like the sense of like team building and you and your mates just kind of basically protecting each other. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just a good feeling. I yeah, I think it. I think there's a lot to be said for for things like uh, things like that online, mate. Um, let's let's go back to the beginning mate because like one of the things i really like i said to you earlier it was like one of the reasons I'm, I'm excited to have you on and is is that well two reasons really one is because i'm very much i want people that are leaving the military to realize that that doesn't have to make up their their life forever and that you can choose your own path in life um and then the, the you know the other thing as well is like for not everyone listening to this podcast is in the military or, or wants to join the military and i think um you know, we get taught certain things growing up, don't we, about like what we got to be, what's expected of us, and you can you can choose your own path. So, what was growing up like for you, mate? And what was what was you, like what what was your expectations of life when you were a kid? Well, I I grew up in uh, Cornwall, um, and then we moved up to Somerset when I was a kid, and I kind of yeah, like, at, at school I was really like the the quiet. Well, I was trying to be the loud kid, but I was always short, and I know I'm quite tall now. Anyone that's met me will say I'm quite tall. I'm six foot two, but like I was quite short at school until I was literally 15, 16. I was always the kid that was kind of like undermined a little bit or my mates hit piss out of me. And uh, you'll laugh at this. I was actually, I had a set of decks, mate, but I was the worst fucking DJ ever. <laughs> like I literally couldn't, I had two 1210s. Oh, well, I had Gemini. Oh, before. nice. Was, that's vinyl for people. That's vinyl for people that don't know. Yeah, I had vinyl. I used to play drum and bass. Um, at my friend's house, we used to get stoned and fucking. Like, I was like twelve years old, like coming coming up. But um, I never really thought I wanted to be a DJ back then. Believe it or not, football was the biggest thing for me. I played for Bristol City till I was sixteen. Um, but I went down the wrong path. My mates a little bit, and I kind of got pressured into football because my dad was like the manager of the local team and stuff. So that was really my path, and um. Yeah, like music didn't really take a hold until I was like in my 20s, early 20s. So, um, yeah, growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted either. And I got in trouble as a kid, as we all do, you know, messing around with the police and, you know, that kind of thing, you know, like when you're like 15, 16 and, you know, you get into the wrong circles and stuff. But it was always like harm, you know, you know what it's like coming from like a more of a countryish kind of area you know not in the city you know or like a little town area it's um you just kind of like do little stupid little things like you know like you just go and like throw stones to people's windows and stuff and it sounds like <laughs> but you know what I mean like when you're a kid though it's like you know it's harmless and like you're just having having a laugh but yeah I used to you know go and smoke a bit of weed behind the bike sheds and my mates now but you know what I mean but we were still good kids and stuff but um like you said earlier as I really did not know where I wanted to be until um quite far and I was I, I got into sales and um I was that that's what made me quite an entrepreneurial character I was um I did car sales and I did tv sales and then I worked um for electrical store for like seven no, five six years um and I was one of the top salesmen in the whole country out of like 60,000 employees so I think like my entrepreneurial slash uh business minds was coming out then and then I started to learn to DJ and stuff and then they, they kind of came together and I learned how to be an artist and stuff so yeah that was really like my upbringing it was quite it was quite random actually really Mate, it's funny because the one with the stones is like as you're a kid you're like oh this is harmless and then once you start to like own properties and stuff like that you're like <laughs> you're like you little shit <laughs> it's mad you say that because like I'm um, outside the, uh, one of my properties in Wiltshire yeah um I've got like this nice gravel driveway and these new plants put in and like there's only I, I live on like this little like kind of private kind of land but there is one of a neighbor and his little kid always rides across with his bike. And I'm like, I'm literally like yelling out the window going, 
like going mad but then my other half of me goes ben do you know what hang on a minute you were doing way worse when you were a kid like just hold yourself back but yeah you're right mate it's i'm anyone if anyone ever listens to this that whose windows i broke i really apologize <laughs> like it's really not nice yeah. mate i used to have a bag full of dust caps do you remember you used to steal did you ever used to yeah. do that like just take i look back on yeah. it now i'm like why did i spend my nights going around taking dust caps off cars like that wasn't a good use of time but like everyone was doing so it good, it's mate. weird isn't it um, what, what, one on the music then, mate, like, where did you get introduced? Because obviously, uh, you know, dance music is a massive part of my life. And I think it's what you were saying again about like, kind of like country upbringing, like small British towns. Dance music seems to just be a thing that like a certain like percentage of the town gets filtered into. Even if you don't know anyone that's going there, somehow we all manage to find it. So how did you come across dance music? Um, when I was younger, my dad was in a rock band, so like obviously it's a totally different genre. But he was in rock, so I was quite I was into I was into music from an early age. I went to watch Kiss, my first ever band uh, at Wembley, you know. So yeah, so I was probably into music from my dad. And then he one day brought back. Um, he he used to work on the lorries, so he used to be a driver for a while. And he brought back back in the days when um, we had like you know used to record stuff off the radio on tape. I was. I thought I was a DJ and I would record like Radio 1 yeah. when I was like seven years old and record a song. And then he brought me back a drum and bass CD. And I, um, not a CD, sorry, a cassette, um, which we obviously, most people watch, young people will listen to this, won't even know what a cassette is. I think you're talking about windmills, mate. <laughs> yeah, so like I had a cassette and I was like, oh, this drum, this drum and bass stuff is sick. And then when I was older, like I said, when I was like 12, 13 at school, we started playing on drum and bass and stuff. But then I then obviously watched Kevin and Perry, as we all know, like very, you know, Kevin and Perry go large. Anyone that doesn't know is, you know, uh, uh, Harry Enfield, massive comedian in the UK, did a movie about Ibiza and about DJing and about trance music. Um, and that, that movie really, even though it was a comedy, just the soundtrack in it, we just, um, who actually, I mean, many people don't know this, but uh, Judge Jules, who's a good friend of mine, he actually did the soundtrack and all the research behind it. So um, I used to work with him a lot. I was on his agency. I was signed to them guys. He used to help me on Radio 1. So... He used to, he, he was telling me about it. And um, yeah, that, that movie really, really um, inspired me to get into dance music. And then from there, I kind of just plodded along and listened to it. But then when I was about 20, 21, um, I went to um, a local club um, and started watching like, you know, Judge Jules, Eddie Hallowell, um, all these guys that, you know, were in the, in the music scene. And um, it really inspired me. So I went out and bought a set of decks that day on finance, which I could barely afford. Um, and just went from there, mate. And then I, I wasn't getting booked for any gigs, so I started my own night and put myself on the flyer. So, you know, as a headliner, like, yes, I've got a gig. <laughs> People didn't realise it was my own gig that I put on just so I could play. Um, but, yeah, then I just started building my career from there. And actually, um, I actually, a Syndicate in Bristol, which is a super club, they booked me after I did a couple of shows because they saw that I was a local DJ. I could probably sell tickets. And um, I was kind of booked as a DJ that sold tickets for the night. Mm. So no one didn't really care what I played. They just, as long as I like brought people to the night. Um, and, and, and actually it's quite important actually, because Gavin Pierce, the guy that ran the night, he actually, um, yeah, died during lockdown recently, man. So, so massive thoughts to him. And, you know, like he was a big inspiration to me. And I, obviously I don't know the circumstances behind his um, death, but I know that he was going for a really hard time. Um, so probably, wasn't you know the best circumstances but yeah just just that you know just these little when i think back to you know things that helped me you know during this like whole period we're going through now and you know some people have sadly um you know, lost their lives so yeah it's um that was how it started for me but um yeah it, it was 
kind of a kind of a strange path really we'll have people listening mate to this who weren't even alive when kevin and perry came out which is mental um but I but know. that was like so i think it, i always try and tell people now because what people have an idea of clubbing in as now is very different to what it was like then isn't it like 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 there wasn't this, yeah. there wasn't bottle service there wasn't the vegas clubs like you you must have seen so much of a change in like in in around clubbing like in the last 20 years I was I was brought up um, I'm same as yourself. I was brought up in a in a, an era where it was word of mouth and like I first started I stumbled across people like Judge Jules and Eddie Hallowell just via the radio because that's what you listen mm. to. And then um, you know if someone went and played a good set and you know at a gig, everyone would just talk about like oh my god that set was amazing. Do you remember when he dropped this? Do you remember when he dropped this? Um, and that doesn't happen nowadays. It's very much just about you know. I've noticed the young kids now. I would say my market is still quite similar, but uh, like other genres, they just kind of like, it's more about what people, the outfits that people are wearing to a club or, <laughs> you know, it's not, about, it's not about the DJ, but I really feel that I've kept that, um, that theme in terms of, you know, it's about the tunes, you know, and about the, the big drops and about the anthems. And that's kind of how my career is like gone is I kind of really enjoy keeping those original roots of dance music and playing those classic UK dance tracks and keeping that kind of like we're together feeling amongst the crowd like you're all there for one special moment rather than just you know posing in the corner with your instagram filters i ain't about about that mate you know like i really believe that you know people waste a lot of their life caring what people think and uh, i think music is if you can you know do the right thing i think like the, my nights if you're there you know what it was about and you can kind of say that you were there and yeah that's what i believe that it should be about really well i think you know like definitely when i started going club in early 2000s you didn't know what the d like obviously every dj has a few tracks a few anthems that they're known for right yeah but the rest of the set you didn't know what the set was going to be it might go in any direction you know if you went to see paul van dyke one week in god's kitchen and he was in gate crash the next week it might be a totally different set and then and like now you know you go to there's some artists and it doesn't mean that i don't enjoy the sets but they have like the set is exactly the same week to week they build a set rather than like i'm going to go with what the crowd has given me and i think yeah. like you do that and that's a very like, like I, I think that's a very british like a british dance music scene thing of doing is like right what do the crowd want where's the energy going i'm going to run yeah you know i'm going to you know kind of run with this what well, let's talk about like um Talk talk about like some some tunes in particular then because you've just re-released uh, sorry not re you've you've what what would you you call it I like, reworked um, a, a dance music classic which is one of my favorites um, of you know like favorite all time I first heard it when it was on one of the hardcore extreme um, CDs dance yeah and I, I think that's what you talk about isn't it? it's like everyone that's been involved in british dance music for the last 20 minutes you hear that vocal and you're straight back to the best memories and then you and so how how do you go about like you know deciding what you're gonna create music wise i think you're right yeah i think that, that the thing that in, the theme across um engaging and having quite a big audience in terms of the music you play is often stems back to british dance music and people don't understand that um or they don't really understand you know the young kids nowadays that might be you know in certain i play a lot in asia you see and a lot of times you know you'll hear like you know even stuff that sounds crazy like dj sammy heaven <laughs> i know it's not a uk track but you know <laughs> dj or cascada or um you know, you know you know every time we touch or you know entrance set you free or you know any of these kind of classic mm. kind of clubland era tracks they all stemmed really from being massive tracks in the uk and like not they're not all produced in the uk but there was just that really if Vapor's Insomnia's, you know, like those kind of tracks, you know, all these tracks are a very big part of the UK culture. And 
I just think that they'll never, they just don't seem to ever get old. They just work and work and work. And obviously you can get bored of playing the same kind of tunes. But for me, the reason I remixed um, Ayla, the Ayla track with my friend Luke, you know, um, obviously it's like, it's just a classic track from Kevin and Perry. Everyone knew it. It hadn't been done for 20 years. And we just did a simple one. And yeah, Apollo Dance, the new one that I've just done. Again, it was a track that I used to listen to with all my friends when I was over in Northern Ireland. And someone said to me, you know, you should do a new version of that. And um, because it had never been done, I did it. If it was done every week, oh, I just don't think there's any point nowadays. But if it's something that people were expect, like, oh, no way. Um, then yeah, and I and I do think the new one that I've done, I actually think that it it's on par with the original. It's it was a good track. It's, it was well done. It I, I don't think I ruined it. So yeah, I was I feel quite good. Yeah, about life that is bang, it's banging me. And you've been having some good. Um, you you've had good success in commercial charts as well because again, this is something that like when when you know when you started DJing and when I started getting into dance music, you know, and that Kevin and Perry Perry era dance music. I can remember hearing. I think it was a uh, Guriella was like really high up in the charts one day because that's where I first heard that on the radio and like you used to get like the, the dance music would be in the charts a lot and then that's went away and you're kind of bringing that back yeah I feel that I, I think that the one a lot I do see a lot of people sometimes I mean I don't watch social media that much anymore I mean I, I post and I interact with my fans but stuff other than mine I don't really watch but I do see a lot of people to say you know, like trance you know was used to be in, in the in the charts so why isn't it anymore the thing that the reason why it's not out there anymore is is just the times of change in terms of attention span. A lot of these uh like tracks that you know we used to play are like like eleven minutes long, and you know on the radio now people's attention span goes in two minutes, especially with things like TikTok and Instagram stories that are fifteen seconds. You know, people's attention. There's so much more when, when we were listening to music. There was like one new track out a week. Like there was no new song. <laughs> now you've got millions of tracks come out a day. So there's so much noise in the space of the internet. And to get someone's attention, it has to be quick and uh, snappy. Um, and I think I've utilised that quite well in what I do. And that's why if, if you listen to my sets, I mix so quickly. is because not because I'm just trying to ruin other tracks, but I'm just like trying to get people's attention constantly in the crowd, you know, and keep them excited. Um, so that's why. But yeah, in terms of uh, charts and stuff, yeah, the last couple of tracks I've done have all gone top 10 on iTunes. But it's mainly, that's not down to the track itself. I think I've got such a loyal fan base that, they just, you know, if I go and tell them, hey, let's go and get this track as high as possible, they all go and buy it. And um, it does well that way. But it is good to see tracks that literally you would never normally see in the iTunes charts. I think my last tune was like, <laughs> it was like Two Faced Above Britney Spears and Justin Bieber, which is mad to see, like, you know. Um, um, the reason I think that's so awesome, though, mate, is because that's going to introduce people to dance music. Yeah, I think I think so. And I think that just... Um, it gives people a lot, you know. It, it it shows people that you don't. It doesn't matter what genre you make or you're involved with. If you've got a good fan base behind you and a good following, you can do anything. And I also think that's the reason why you see people like you know KSI and you know, random YouTubers doing songs um, because they have so much clout and such a big fan mm. base. People would just will just throw themselves at doing you know. I think Little Mix just did one with Nathan Dorr. I mean, like these guys that are doing like more commercial tracks, people, yeah, your, your pop stars want to do do tracks with them because, you know, KSI is a YouTuber and, he, you know, one minute he does boxing matches, next minute he does, you know, um, tracks and you know, fair play to the guy. Like, you know, he's just literally using his clout to just delve into different, um, you know, 
successful parts of life you know whether it's boxing or the music whatever but it just shows that if you've got clout and a fan base you can you if you've got if you know how to utilize your fan base and send them to do certain things and support you during this and support you during that you're an unstoppable force and um yeah i just that is the way now is just to find your market get your market and do good things with them and um, it's great yeah hats off to him mate people like that i've got nothing but nothing but fucking uh, respect for people that have, have, that have built that and then used it that way i think you know yeah. the people the people are naysayers about that it's like well you know who who if if people want to pay if someone's a youtuber and people want to pay to see him box then who are you to say otherwise do you know what i mean um mate in terms in, in terms of, of of career then again you know back back in those early days of djing it wasn't really that much money around was there was it something that you saw as being a career or was it a ho- you know like a hobby or, or how did you see that progressing yeah that's a good question actually no one's asked me that before i i think um I think when I when I so what so what I was doing is I had a full time job selling TVs during the week and washing machines and stuff, and then I was like, all the money that I made from that, I was living at home still, and I would just invest into studio time or you know recording mixes in the local studio or you know putting my own night on. So I I I used to I kind of like used to study a lot of like business like seminars and stuff online. So like the the average thing was you know invest forty percent of your income into your own career. So I I did that for a long time um and yeah i just um no I, I didn't really think there'd be much money i just wanted to be able to earn a couple grand a month just to like like just to be able to live a normal kind of life but in, do what i enjoy and um yeah i i just for a long time it, it, it was that and there were there were times mate when i was i was playing in like india on a saturday for like a few hundred quid like barely covering my costs on a flight and stuff and then i'd be i'd fly back from india on a sunday and be in work selling washing machines on a monday <laughs> i swear <laughs> and people don't really know that side of it because when you want to be a superstar DJ, you obviously don't let everyone see your normal life. So no one really knew that I was doing this, this that hard working um, ethos. But um, yeah, luckily as things got you know progressed and stuff, um, more money come into it. But there is um, there isn't much money in music. It, it, there's it, you. you re- I've always said you're either really really smashing it or you're just or you're really struggling. There's not really a medium ground in music for people. And you know, for me, even when I was a very well known. DJ across the UK and dance music scene I was still there was times that I was still you know only barely able to survive and then it, it was really once I started doing big ticket sale numbers that um you know I I, I started to be really kind of doing well um and that and, you know I'm grateful for that and I'm grateful to be able to probably you know be able to survive off the you know the success I've had in the past but um you know for until my days are over but you know I'm, I'm a drive and a driven person who enjoys working um, and I don't like being sat still. So obviously with the current climate and stuff right now, it's a little bit frustrating, but that's why I'm working on a lot more music right now, just to keep my mind bubbling over. But um, yeah, mate, um, there's money to be made, like I said, but you really have to, it doesn't come overnight. And sometimes it can take so much longer um, for the for the most randomest reason you might become successful. But um, I think the one lesson to be learned from everything that I've gone through is um, there's no route to success. Just because you're a good music producer, doesn't mean you'll be successful just because you're a good dj doesn't mean you're successful just because you're you know a certain look you might you know you're not a successful person there's no route to anyone though any guy can be one of those things um you know you can you know you can wear a helmet on your head you know it could help you you know you know i'm good friends with steve oki and but steve wouldn't mind me saying you know you can throw cakes at people you know it, it you know it might you know help your brand there's certain you know and there's those guys out there that do that you know i never ever would sit before I'd sit back and like probably frown on it and be like, why? But now I now 
I now I'm confident in myself. I understand why they did it, and I totally put my hats off to anyone that's made a career and pays. At the end of the day, we're all people out there grafting, putting you know roof above our heads. So um, you know, unless you, long as you're doing it in a nice way and you're not a horrible person, then you go for it, man. Yeah, I think a good lesson to take out of this as well, mate, is that like because I'll, I'll back this up. I'll say the same thing for writing. Like you know, when I got into writing, I was working on the ships doing the security, then a personal training for a while. You know, like that's. I think a lot of people have this this uh, false perception that like you make your first tune or you play your first gig or you write your first book and then that's you set. It's like, nah, you might you might have to literally, maybe even your entire career, you might have to have another part-time job. Um, you know, like a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of music producers have other jobs. A lot of writers have other jobs. Um, and, that, that, and, and if you're not willing to do that, it's probably not worth you pursuing the DJ career because it never gets easier, does it? Like you've always got to fucking work hard at it. That's why the, the music scene can be quite a toxic one is because everybody out there is they just want to be heard and you know like like it's the typical tool i call it a tall poppy syndrome when you know your friend makes it mm. but you don't but you do you think that you deserve to be because you're more you're more talented in brackets than him but he suddenly made it you then get jealous and slag your mate off even though and then you sit there and go why am i slagging my mate off he doesn't deserve it like hang on and that's part of music is it, it just it's very tall poppy syndrome and everyone's you know getting successful here and there but like you said is um financially i mean from making music and producing music and you know releasing music i mean as a dj i was making more in i reckon two or three minutes teaching than music was all year (laughs) like that's how mad it is it was really the performing side um for me because obviously when you're selling venues out you know you're 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 bringing so many ticket sales and you know income into that you know the ticket outlets and the you know the venues you know imagine you know think of um try to give an example like i'm at like sse arena for example in belfast or you know um i do all park there fifteen thousand people you got if you're making fifteen thousand people spend 40 quid in the ticket and it's nearly half a million pounds there just coming into the pot so you know just for one show so you think how much you know how many people that at the end of the day you know security are getting jobs you know the people putting the production up are getting jobs the videographers uh, um you know the catering stores you really are giving a lot of people jobs and money in this by just putting yourself a show on so um yeah you you believe you know if you get to that kind of level you really do have a lot more power than you believe you have and you really are keeping a lot of income coming through for the nightclub the the promoter that said that they're catering everything so um yeah once you learn these kind of things you really start to see your business in a different light and um i'd like to think that um i'm true to myself and i come across how i actually am but i also um respect the 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 business side of it a lot more than i did when i first started so um yeah it's, it's interesting man well you gotta look look you went to kiss as your first gig now if you compare the music that they make to, compared to beethoven all right yeah. like yeah okay he's a genius maybe they're not geniuses in that sense but they're entertaining as fuck and they build a cult following yeah, and totally. and they make people they make people happy and i've done the same thing maybe like i've been when I was trying to get into writing, I'd look at some authors who made it and I'd be like, their writing's fucking shit. And, and maybe objectively, it might not be great, but they've, they're there for a reason. They've done something right. Yeah. Um, and then, it, and, and it's, I think one of the things that we do as people is like when we're growing up and stuff, we think everything should conform to what we, our standards. So it's like, all right, I'm judging music this way, therefore everyone should have to. But like what some people take out of music is completely different to what somebody else takes out. When there's, what, 7 billion people on the planet, you don't need to appeal to everybody. You just need, you know, your core fan base. No, I think, I think you're right. I think that, um, 
I think with we, we like you said earlier, we I think we also compare ourselves to each other too much, especially with Instagram and stuff now, is people especially younger following, it's um sometimes I I'm overlooking what my friends, like my younger friends, you know, my relatives and stuff are doing on their phone. I'm just like, what are you doing with all this like TikTok stuff? <laughs> like what I'm like what is this? And they're like I'm just like I, I love social media for getting out a message of like of cool stuff like you know, if you play a cool track or the crowd go mental. Like, I I love to put a video of that up, but you know, doing like backflips of dolphins whilst doing a cha cha slide. <laughs> so, I'm like, nah, mate, I can't, I can't, I can't just do that. Yeah, you know, I, I say this, mate. But you watch me start TikTok in a year, and I'll be loving it. But nah, I just, I just think that we compare ourselves to way too much. And um, the the minute that people start realizing that it's fucking cool when you are you are you have in, you live in your own lane, and it took me a long time to get understood as an artist. I really, really did find it hard because I was people aren't used to a dj that just like openly plays all types of music which i do um so like people that from like trance scene would be like what the fuck like you're not playing trance anymore and then like suddenly then people from like hard dance are, oh but ben's now a hard dance dj i'm like no guys don't understand just just watch what i do i play everything like you said earlier i play for the crowd I play everything and i could t- you know you book me for a hard dance event i'll play hard dance you book me for a or you know something else i'll play a trance set so you know i i really um people weren't used to it but now i've given it a time to breathe and now people go so when you come to you know chicago next week you're gonna play trance or hardstyle you know what i mean they now know like, oh he's he, he you know they can't really give you shit now because they're like fair play like you just do what you want and um i like now have such a weight off my chest like i just everything i do like i'm just true to me um and people accept me for who i am and also my success is now coming from who i am and that is no better there's no better better feeling than that because before i felt like i had to like mold myself to be to suit um to get like clickbait and get things you know viral or successful i felt i had to kind of be like rock and roll ben or cool ben or trance ben or hard drop ben or whatever you know whereas now i'm just like you know what I am crazy, you, you know. Me both know per- first um, first time we've had a few parties, plenty of parties together. <laughs> we both know we're both yeah, we're both nuts, right? But on the other hand, is I'm still like I'm still li- like, when I post something, I'm still me. I'm not like lying to pretend to be someone. So I just feel really, really, really relaxed. That I'm just happy, and I'm sure. I'm sure you feel the same when it comes to the writing. Hey, I guess. Yeah, I'm ex- exactly the same. Um, I don't want to write about the army forever. I don't want to write about the military forever. Like that's why I started doing branching and different stuff. Um, I just feel that like when I sit down or I get an idea, like you know, I did a couple of comedy things last year. The idea came to me. It's like, well, that's what I want to work on right now. And then maybe after that, I might want to work on a military book. But I want to be in a position to just do what makes me happy at the time. And so, and you might lose people. You might lose some people that go, oh, well, I'm not interested in this next project, and that's fine. Like, but you'll pick up other people that want to. You know, being who's, involved. Who's on there to tell you? Who's there? Like you said, who is there to tell you what to write? You know, they're not. You're you. you. You know, that's what people forget. Is like you don't know anyone. <laughs> An explanation. You're you're the creator of your madness, and you're putting a roof over your head, and you also do what you enjoy. It's like walking into McDonald's and going, "Hey, mate, you're making that that hamburger wrong. Uh, put more onions on it." And he's like, "Hang on, mate, it's my job, not yours. Forget life. You know, like just do what you want to do." And you, and you can't make good art if you're making it for someone else. You just can't. Agree. Yeah, I agree on that. It's, it's got to be coming from what you want to do because otherwise, mate, like, you know, you've put your own shows on, you know, the same with anything like that. It's it's not like it's these things take a lot of time. And if you are not passionate about what you're doing, 
you're not going to put in that work over that amount of time and you're going to end up putting up a shit show or you're going to end up, you know, just whatever whatever you're doing. If you're putting on a, if you're a wedding planner and you're not into weddings, the weddings are going to fucking suck. It's, yeah. you, you have to be passionate about what you're doing because, like, like let, let's talk about, like, you know, you don't have to go into too much detail, but, you know, you've, you've had your own shows and events and things. I mean... There's a like a, a, the amount of work and responsibility that goes into something like that must be must be massive. What's quite mad is like the, the kind of guys that you would see in the charts. Um, you would like you said traditionally, like my mum and dad. If I'm not on Radio One or if I'm not in the charts, my parents don't before didn't see that as success. They were just like, "Well, when are you going to be in the charts?" You know that kind of thing. But then, <laughs> but then I then but then I would like show them like some of these guys in the top ten would then put a, say a show on like their own gig. And only like 500 people would turn up. Yeah, I was doing like 10,000 people. So like, it was really weird, but I'm not, so people find it hard to grasp that sometimes. Like, well, how can you get all these people coming to your show, but yet you're not in the charts? Where, does that not mean you're famous? How are you famous? If you want to understand, like when you have video, like a lot of my videos on Facebook, I do like 30, 40 million views, I think every seven or eight months on my Facebook. So you've got 40 million people watching you DJ. So they know you as a DJ rather than having a hit on the radio. So it doesn't matter how you're known. You are, you are, people are seeing you and that's what people don't get. And I think I was one of the first people to ever use Facebook as a marketing tool for, as a DJ. It's like, it doesn't, you don't have to have a number one hit in the charts. You can literally have, you know, viral footage of yourself, but it'll be seen by way more many people. And that equates to ticket sales because people have seen you DJing on their timeline. Like, this guy's mental. Let's go watch it. So, yeah, I, I think that when it came to putting on my own shows, it was really easy for me to sell tickets because people had already seen me on their Facebook timeline as a DJ. So it was really easy to convert that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not as... It's not as hard as you think to to put on. I mean, obviously, in terms of lineup, it all goes through me and my agent. Obviously, you know my agent, Phil. So, or it, it you know it goes through that. And um, in terms of um, you know, production and putting in lasers and smoke and you know, fireworks, that does go through us. We have a budget that we put into it. But in terms of the actual night itself, the the, the local promoter on the ground still runs it. We don't deal with any of that in terms of like you know, tickets, that kind of thing. So it's more like we we arrange like the main stuff and then like the local promoter will deal with it. They obviously door splits and stuff they get a percentage or whatever but um yeah putting on your own show is it, it, i just find it has you have a bit more pressure you know what it's like even when you even like you're justin bieber's that when they put a concert on it, it doesn't sell out you, you, you get seen as a it just doesn't get seen as much of a success you know like whereas you know someone puts a tour on and it's all sold out you just you live to have that expectation of you know sold out sold out sold out and i i've built that reputation a lot over the last few years of you know every show just sells out quickly and um I have luckily kept that ball rolling and you know even with these shows you know coming up once this whole lockdown thing's over which we obviously don't know even even those ones are you know I think one might have a few left but even they're already full so it you know it, you just kind of get a bit I guess you get a bit of an ego when it comes to your shows doing well because you kind of like have the expectation of yourself um not an ego as such yeah like you said expectation and um yeah it just um it, it's 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 important to put your own shows on I guess it's, it would be the same as if you were you know, uh, an author and you were signed to a big publisher and you had to do something for them or you did it off your own back and produced your own book. I guess that would you know be a similar thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I have self-published books and the part of me enjoys taking on that extra responsibility, but then, you know, you are, there's that comes with a lot of extra work as well. I think the thing with the ticket sales and stuff is interesting. And this is just something about humans in general is that 
if someone like let's say a band put on a show in a sixty thousand person stadium yeah. and they only sold out fifty thousand tickets, as human beings we go, oh, they didn't sell ten thousand tickets, rather than saying they sold fifty thousand. And it's the same with like, um, you know, I know like this is something we've both got better at. But when I first died writing, I wouldn't be like, oh, there's a hundred reviews that say it's great. I'm like, there's the one review that says it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And we just have that tendency as as human beings. Like, is that something you've got better at over time? Is is concentrating on the positives? Yeah, massively. And um, and like, I actually, I've, I've, we all, I, you know, you know, I know, I'm a massive fan of Ricky Gervais and some of the things he says. And um, he actually said he's like the difference between English or British in general. I, think, I don't know if he said English or British, but regardless, um, he said between the Brits and the Americans is that in America you're taught um, that you're going to be the next president. You know, you're brought up, your family push you into sports, whatever. They tell you the next president. In England, you're told you're never going to be anything. And it's true. <laughs> it's true. Like, you, you know, everyone tries to, I suppose as a British mentality, if you look at social media, we're just trying to drag each other down, you know, have banter, you know, um, you know, we never really like, if someone else does well, it's very much like, yeah, well, he'll fuck up next week though, won't he? Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> everyone's waiting for you to mess up. Uh, we love the underdog is the, in the UK. Whereas in America, it's about, you know, you're going to be the best, you're going to be president, you can do it, you're the best at sport. I want my son to be you know, the best player. You know, it's all about that. And, I and, and and because I because I know that's true. I've never ever to anything personally because mm. I mean, like you said before, when I first started DJing, I was playing as a warm up DJ to two people. Now I might have hundred people in this in the room that don't like my music and, and a certain show, but there might be fifteen thousand that are paying and bought tickets to see me. So like the the scale of it is way. You got to remember the more fans you've got, the more critics you're going to have, and that happens whether you go to fucking McDonald's to get a burger or someone goes to a coffee and they moan that the milk's not right. No matter what you do, people moan, and it is fortunately the way that we live. It we people moan to get clickbait, and often because they're so insecure in their own life which is no fault of their own because everyone is, we've all been there, but they know if they go and write this, this, whatever was shit, they'll get a couple of likes on Facebook. It'll make them feel better. They might've not even meant it, but they did it to get that extra bit of love to make them feel better for the day. So that's why ne unless you are a serial killer or a nasty person, you would feel insecure when someone slags you off because you actually are a dick. Yeah. But if you're a nice person and you just go out and you know, you're a mu just play music. And then if someone doesn't like it and says you're shit, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's no skin off my nose. I'm still, you know, sat living a nice life with my family and my friends and, uh, you know, having a good time and, you know, it doesn't affect my day. So, yeah, I, I'd never, mate, it doesn't ever, 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 ever touch me anymore at all. I've, le I've learned so much, yeah. I think I, I, I'd agree with that, mate, because when I look at the, when I used to be like, oh, I can't believe this person's doing this or that, it's when I was like, I was still, um, like, am I going to be able to do this for a career? Am I exactly. good enough and stuff? And once that happens, you're like, that's why now, because I'm just like, that person's just, I actually feel sorry for people doing it, mate, because I'm like, oh, maybe they want to be an author and they can't be yeah. or something. I agree. That's exactly it, man. I, I also think as well is like, like you said, it's not until you get to the point where you're happy, you've you've met your own kind of dreams that you can sit back and understand why people do it. So most of the people that would be, say, listen to this right now, who are into music or DJs or whatever, would probably hard, find it hard to relate because they're still analysing their own worth and whether, you know, they are where they want to be. But, like, for me, trust me, I was the same. I used to fucking, like, look at other DJs and go, how the hell, he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve it. Why is he there? But underneath it, I didn't really mean it. I just wanted to be where they were. I was so jealous. <laughs> I was so jealous, mate. I was just like, ah. Oh. But then, like, 
once you get to like now i'm so happy with what i've done and like i'm secure in my own like you know life financially and business wise and all that rubbish i like i can sit here now and talk about it it's easy for me to say now isn't it because i've got no pressure but i do think that's what it's when you haven't got the security it makes you compare and be a bit of a dick <laughs> and like we can all sit there and say that and i think anyone that's maybe you know successful in any any you know any part of their business whether it's you know office life or you know they're a sales manager or whatever you know you know even in the army you know some you know might be someone that might deserve to be i don't know lieutenant or something but didn't deserve it and you got jealous you know you can you can say it about anything it happens there, yeah tall poppy syndrome and it, and you know what it's it, it changes because you know when it's changed because you look at people that go um like you, you look at people in like I used to think, fucking hell, footballers getting paid five hundred grand a week—that's ridiculous. Now I think, good for them, worked out. <laughs> you know, it's they, if I if, if someone came to you for a million pounds for an, a, a new book tomorrow, just for one for a few for a few pages, you, you're not going to go. Oh, do you know what, mate? I don't deserve that. Uh, I won't take it. Like, come on, like you know, yeah, you, you can't, you can't. Unfortunately, you can't fight the system in which we're in. If it, you know, it's um, football. The reason that it's worth so much money, it's not it's not to do with the players, it's it's the advertising around it and the, you know and the, the the money that they make from the, the TV. So if the TV companies start paying less, then obviously the players will get less. So it's all just relative to the scene that you're in, I guess. Exactly, mate. As Gary V says, the market is the market. Pokemon. Mate, oh yeah. So by the way, so a Pokemon tangent. My brother's got some Pokemon cards in the house, mate, so I'm gonna dig them out and then I'll sell them to you. <laughs> if they're if they're in, they've got to be pristine, unfortunately. Like they have to literally be mint, but like if um they might be worth a little bit, yeah. These might, these might, these, these, these have probably been around the block, mate. These are Rex and Pokemon oh, cards. Yeah. They're probably like spice heads. <laughs> <laughs> They've got like sanitary across them and that. Yeah. Uh, mate, you mentioned social media earlier. Um, I think, like, because you've used social media really well. And, and and I think I do I do think social media it's like having a gun you can use it to go out and hunt and provide for yourself or you can use it to blow your brains out um, are you glad that you didn't have it growing up yeah oh god like actually do you know what I, I actually not that my the way that I use social media hasn't changed I've been really um, looking back I've been really consistent with what I've done so like I just like putting videos up of me DJing um, and the first one I ever put up my agent Phil like some of you know um, we were at EDC New York. Um, I'm trying to think if you were there in New York. No, you weren't there. No, it wasn't but, um, in New yeah, York. No. New York. And um, he, he sat behind me playing a track um, on his iPhone. Bear in mind, this is my agent. He's supposed to be like, cool. <laughs> but I was like, mate, here's my phone. Just film me, DJ. And um, he, he filmed me like playing this big drop. And back then, no one had really put videos of like, you know, like of like set, like playing live sets and stuff. So I just put a video up and it got like two million views like, within a few weeks. And I was like, wow, like I've never had this before. And my page was growing quite well. So I just started doing that, and I've I've just done that for like five or six years, mate. Every week, and I've been consistent. But I haven't changed my concepts of like, you know, like my promotion and stuff. I mean, I have, you know. I've done things where I like, you know, I've got a, a few groups now on my Facebook, you know, like private ones where I've invited my fans. Um, it's called Misfit, Misfits, um, you know, Ben Nicky Misfit group. And like, I just have my hardcore fans come and we talk, you know, um, a lot. And I've only, I think I've got seven, 8,000 just real close knit members in there that just talk compared to my other pages that have got like nearly a million or whatever. But it's just nice to be able to use that um that group to be able to speak to my real fans who are like dedicated and say like what do you want from me like do what what do you like about what i do what do you hate and i love that and these are also the guys that come and help me get my chart positions and they buy my music regularly etc etc so you like you said you have to use social media as a tool to help run your business effectively in a way that both you and your fans love 
um but don't overcook it like i could have i could have unlocked that when lockdown started really made a group charge five pound a month and i would and and some of my fans would definitely pay it um and i had and and that seven or eight thousand people in my group would be making me 50 grand a month you know Mm. like it's mad i really could make crazy money out of it but then i think how many of them will will leave after a few months because they can't afford it and then they'll be bored of me because they've been paying to see me been paying to talk to me and then they might like ignore me for the rest of my career do you know what i mean whereas if i keep everything free they'll appreciate it more we'll talk more and i might have a more loyal fan base that will help me earn that once i get back to dj and so it you know it's yeah it's it's it never you just don't suck the don't suck the blood too much from someone you know like you know don't, don't rinse them leave a little bit of you know a little bit of um generosity there because at the end of the day these are the guys that put you there and um you should probably you know unless you literally can't afford to put food on the table then don't don't rinse people for what they've got i think like i I just think back to the days mate you remember limewire used to download off their napster yeah yeah and I, i always used to think like i was a big believer back then is you know what yeah i'm going to download this person's track but i'm going to go and buy a ticket to go and see this person yeah um and i you know i i very much I very much believe that that's the way of, you know, doing things. At the end of the day, if you're an artist, yeah, you might keep all your work to yourself, but then behind the paywall, well, then who's going to know about you? Who, where's your fan base going to be? You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think, like, people forget sometimes, mate, that it's like at the end of the day, you don't have a career without the people that are supporting you. Yeah, no, I agree. So... Let's talk a bit about mental health and stuff, mate. Because I've one of one things, one of the things I think is under, misunderstood about the DJ life is people think that it's just like all parties and you know it's all that kind of stuff. And obviously that's a part of it. But I think you know it's one. I, I and I've had some pretty lonely jobs, but I think honestly being international DJ is one of the loneliest jobs in the world. So do you want to talk a bit about like what the actual lifestyle is like in a lot of ways? Yeah, I mean when you're. Um when you're doing what I mean, like, like it's, it's quite, it's quite a nice way for me to talk about it really. Cause I guess I, like over the last few years, I was one of the guys that was probably hitting this harder than most. You know, I was really, I really, 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 um, toured my ass off for like seven years. I'm talking like, you know, but I was probably taking like one weekend off every six months. Like I was on an airplane every day, uh, nonstop. And, um, when you, when you do that, um, first of all, you become very independent from anyone. You you really shut yourself off from friends, family, because you're either in the you're either in the sky on a Friday. You know, unless on a Friday I'm a, I fly to LA, for example. You know, you got twelve hours in the sky, then you land. You're tired. You get two or three hours sleep before the show. Then you play the show. You get fucked up with your mates. You play your show. Rally, rally, rally. You get to you know you got you got another flight the next morning at nine a.m. Still jet lag, mind you. Haven't slept properly. You're probably still awake till seven, eight party and whatever. You'd probably get no sleep <laughs> straight to the airport. Then you then you fly from say LA down to San Francisco. Twelve uh, is it down or up? San Francisco. Up, up, up it is up. up. Yes. <laughs> it is up, isn't it? San Francisco. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, up to San Francisco. Yeah, about two hours, whatever. So you get there again. Land at probably like three p.m. and twelve p.m. Three p.m. Whatever. Get three or four hours sleep. Wake up at seven. Get your music ready. Have food. Still haven't recovered from jet lag yet. Mind. Still hungover. Still haven't slept properly. Then go and play another show. And then you probably the next morning, yeah, party again because you're so tired. You think, fuck it, I'll party again. I'll keep going, and then go to the airport, and then and then either fly home or go to your next destination. Now you repeat that every week. Um, sometimes like four, you know, three or four times a week, um, and then you might go from there to Australia, and then you've got a week in Australia to get your jet lag on. Riley, Riley, Ra. But because you're in the scene where you meet new people on a Monday, you go out for drinks, you party, 
you know, you go to studios, you have a laugh. You're just constantly getting smashed the whole time. And the thing that I'd like to say to people is people say, oh, that sound doesn't sound hard, Ben. It, you know, it sounds amazing. And you're just, you know, moaning about, you know, first world problems. And I'm not moaning about it at all. But the problem with the mental health side of it is I feel that you're on your own so much that you start to then party all the time just so you're around people because you are lonely. And I think that's where it gets a problem because you just... I found a lot of the time I, was, I could be sat in my room partying with someone till 10 a.m. that I didn't know, mm, yeah. which is not which is not normal. Like that's not normal. Like I was doing that for a, a, a many for many years, mate. And then I I suffered with tinnitus, obviously from you know damaged hearing. So that that makes it hard to sleep. So you're taking sleeping tablets a lot. Um, and I just found that like yeah, I've just been doing it for so long, man. And my body did physically shut down a couple of times and. I had to take a week off here and there. But um, yeah, I just think it's really, really lonely, mate. It's hard to find a girlfriend because you don't trust anyone and you're traveling so much. What girl wants to date a lad that's around one around girls every weekend? Even if I'm not doing anything wrong, it would still make someone insecure. And if I dated, say, a model who was in Paris one week and in Milan, I'd probably be insecure even if they weren't doing anything. And I feel that like, I just think that it's just very tough on the soul. And, it, and, and and this is the first time I've had time off during this, this year now. Um, and I just realized how hard I was pushing myself. And I don't think that I was at, I actually, there were times mate during what should have been the happiest part of my life that I was really, really down. Like I, I generally just wasn't, I mean, you know, how sad it was with the whole of each situation. I, I was watching a documentary um, that he'd recorded before he died. And I kind of related to so much of it because he was just, you know, playing to thousands of people in the, in the other side of the world, getting paid mad money for it and, you know, doing this and doing that. And But he wasn't, he didn't look happy. And there was times where I didn't feel happy because I was pushing myself so hard. Um, but now I now know that who I need to have around me you know, when I land. No, Ben, go and, go, and, go and view the city. Go and look at the sites. Go and make stories. I've traveled the whole world. Yeah, I haven't got many stories about, the, about all those cities that I've been to. I've seen it inside of a hotel room. That's it. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to tell how, you know, how amazing the scenery is, how amazing this is, how amazing that is. Um, so, yeah, it's, without going into much detail, like crazy detail, like, I do strongly believe like when you work in a job that is high adrenaline fueled, and I did say this to, to, this, to you as well about the whole um, come down part of this job is on a total minor scale compared to, you know, being in the army and things like that. But I can, like we were talking about it, I think about a year ago or so we said about this is like, you do get massive adrenaline as a DJ when you're on stage for an hour, you have got the most adrenaline ever. You've got thousands of people underneath you. You're controlling them all. You've got, they're going, they look up to you, you're listening to you. You're, you're controlling the whole moment. I've probably just, once you've gone off the stage, You've literally, even though those guys have been there all night in the crowd, I've only been there for an hour. I've just come from the hotel. I've gone on stage, done my thing. I then have to go back to bed or whatever <laughs> after playing that show within 20 minutes of performing. Do you know how hard it is to be sat in your room with all that adrenaline going, what am I doing? An hour ago, I was on stage with all these people and now I'm sat watching Antiques Roadshow on TV. Like, it's not normal. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, you were saying to me about like gunfights and stuff like with, you know, in the army. I know it's totally different. I totally understand that. But what I mean, in the concept of it is going from like, a high adrenaline job to suddenly stopping overnight. You don't, you feel lost. And I can only imagine it was, it's a hundred times more than that when you're obviously in the army. Well, it's actually pretty similar, mate, to be honest. Cause you know, I've done, I've, I've DJed in front of some reasonably decent sized crowds. And so I can, you know, I can comfortably say that it is very similar to, to coming in and out of like, you, you are buzzing afterwards. Absolutely fucking buzzing. Yeah. Um, and like beforehand, like, cause the thing is about as well as like, 
Like there, there are certain times in the army where you you're a bit worried ahead of time what's going to happen because you're going down a road where you know there might be bombs or whatever. But like for me, mate, like those yeah. few the few hours before I know I'm going to DJ, I feel sick. Um, and then like you know, I'm sure it's something I could get over the same as I got over fear in the army. But um, they're definitely they're very high. You go from something very high to something very low, and I think professional sports is the same. Like, yeah. can you imagine running out to like eighty thousand people in Millennium Stadium or something, like, and then go from that to being like what? Like, what do most people do after rugby? I've no idea, but like, I think any job that's like that, mate, and it's usually at a youngish age as well. Then you've got the rest of your life ahead of you, and I think that's why so many soldiers, so many artists and stuff turn to drugs in the downtime because it's like fuck i want i want to get high you like you yeah. literally want to get high um and I, I think that's kind of a thing mate but the thing that's different with dj in the, to compare to the army is when you're in the army you go through that experience with a bunch of your best mates as a dj yeah. you're on your own on the other side of the world i agree and i, I as mad as mad as funny as it may sound i was watching um on the, the youtube original series they're doing with DJ, um, artists and there's justin bieber one and as much as you know, people want like his music or you know whatever. Um, he, again, watch. I watched his documentary, and like he literally was saying like quite a similar thing. He was saying it gets to the point where your brain doesn't run on normal dopamine because you're so used to having that mad high on stage and dipping. Your brain just doesn't know what to do. So normal standard things in life that give you dopamine don't. And I was the same. I do find that I like. I really struggle for like the most simple things. And like when I was during this hot during this hot this year off, I. Fucking hell, like I went, I go and buy like the nicest watches, the fucking nicest cars, the nicest house, or what, all that kind of stuff. And it just doesn't, it's nice for like two minutes, but it doesn't make me happy. So then, like, I just learned to work on myself, you know, like, like you said, like pets, dogs, best thing in the world, walking, exercise, amazing things. Yeah, um, I am moving soon. I've, I've really got myself like my dream house. And I, but I'm, again, I'm now looking at horses and chickens, mate, like the most simplest things. Like, <laughs> like I, I'll I wanna, make it a horse. I want, well, yeah, I'm thinking about there's a stables near my house, so I'm thinking about getting a horse so they can keep it there because um, it'll just it'll just it'll smash the garden, obviously. But yeah, I just like now I've just learned that like it is really hard for a lot of people to come come through these things. And like I was saying, like the Bieber thing, like he obviously was the most famous person on the planet at one point for a, for like for a period of time, the most googled name. And you imagine the pressure on yourself when you're like that and you, you know and you are really by it yourself in these scenarios like you're a solo artist you don't really have many friends around you um the thing with me as well is selfishly i wanted to make more money by not taking more t- people with me on tour because the more people you take <laughs> you know it, it sounds mad but the more you know more photographers you take the more tour managers the more the more i have to pay out so like for me it was like fuck it i'm a businessman the more i save the more you know i'd rather fly business class myself and you know spend the money on me and make more but um ultimately in the long run yeah it did make it more lonely for me and then i'd land in a country obviously i've got lots of friends that i've made across the years in every country so i'd land ring up my local mate whoever lived there let's party righty righty right but it wasn't really good for me in the end mate but um this kind of was a uh, as much as this whole scenario is terrible for all of us it was a kind of slight blessing in a way for me personally to sort my act out um mm-hmm. And don't get it wrong, I'll probably be sat in next year going, mate, I'm partying, I love it. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with, because like what you said really resonated with me because when I was obviously, you know, when I was in LA and stuff, 
like there's times mate I fucking guess sesh Jones I love a good sesh but <laughs> there's a difference between having a sesh with your mates and then yeah. there's I'm with somebody on the other side of a city I've never met this person before and we have nothing in common <laughs> apart from this hot plate in front of us <laughs> yeah yeah no it's so true and I think like I think with that issue is as well is is then you start to when you're in that mode when you've been partying like you then massively with what comes up has to come down and you've got a massive week where you just feel absolutely shit about yourself and if there was a drug that literally i could suddenly click my fingers and go to sleep wake up feel fresh i'd probably be addicted to it now like yeah, oh mate, like, i 100 with <laughs> yeah but, but it's true that you know what i mean like i would not in a, not in a good way like it's not i mean i mean like I, there was a time where i was taking a lot of adderall you know, that stuff in America, which is legal, I don't know how, but <laughs> it was it was just fucking like I just fucking like I'd be writing essays, mate. I'd take it next minute. I'm, I'm writing fucking essays about things I don't know, and I was productive and great. But like you said, with everything that comes up, you have to go down. And like, uh, yeah, and I, I really think that I've started taking a lot of CBD now, which I mm. has really kind of leveled me out. And um, I get luckily I've got a good sponsor for it as well. Who I don't just take it because I'm sponsored by them. I genuinely it helps me, especially for things like. Um, I damaged my posture a lot over the years by flying, so it helps me with my pains in my back and my legs, which I'm now sorting out with my correction, like um, posture correction and yoga and trying that kind of shit. So, um, yeah, I just, um, I strongly believe, mate, like it's just very hard to keep yourself mentally focused in one way, but if you can address it yourself, and I'm sat here now talking about it, so it's good that I'm aware of it. It's the people that yeah. keep it to themselves. That's when you've got a problem. It's when you don't admit it. And if anyone listening has obviously got you know problems with addiction and you know un- relates a little bit to some of the stuff we're talking about, but in a worse scale, then yeah, just don't don't be scared to tell anyone, man. Because it's um, it, there's the, partying's fun, but being an addict, I can I've I've had a few addictive traits during my past, and um, it's not enjoyable. Like it's it's really not. You actually uh, you're just you're, you're tied to the problem you know it's, it's, it's something that you really don't want yeah i think one of the things this goes for people i think that do quite well in whatever area they're in is we tend to be quite all or nothing people so it's like yeah. you know like i just smashed it just took me 23 days to write a book smashed it all or nothing uh you know me yeah. mate if i go to beefer i'm missing four flights it's all or nothing <laughs> like but and that but that that is that self that it's like it's not kidding yourself. It's self-sabotage in a way. It's, it is self-sabotage. But it's like knowing who you are and being like, right, you know, it's like you need to stay away from this when you're trying to do this because otherwise this is going to happen. Or, and, you know, and that and, and that kind of thing. And that that's something I think, mate, it just, it's not something you can be hard on about yourself because you just have to literally, you have to go through it. And then the like life gives you the lessons and then it's up to you whether or not you're going to pay attention and listen to that lesson or if you're going to think, oh, I won't be the same this time. Like you, you know, you've, you've been very good with money throughout the years. I've been fucking awful. Um, my mum and dad and stuff have always tried to help me, give me advice. I, w- I never started listening until last year. I wouldn't say I was necessarily good with it. I have made good decisions, but I would. But there was also a period when I was during touring where I was earning fucking a lot, so I could get away <laughs> with spending it on, you know, on, on 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 other on cars, but also mad shit that we all know about. So yeah, like now. I'm much more like I'm. I'm being really sensible, but yeah, like I, I think when you uh, when you're on tour, you can't really spend as much money, so you just like you just spend it on narcotics. <laughs> <laughs> well, just inject, just just bad purchases in general, though, mate. Like you know, I just 
like I when I'd be in America, for instance, I'd rent a, a nice car. You'd spend you'd spend it before you had it. That was your problem. Like, before, that'd be like me before being a DJ, spending it. Like, we didn't before I had it. Like I waited till I had it to spend it. You literally would just like get a car out and buy it from a table. <laughs> <laughs> and then for fingers though, mate. Part of the problem there was I got away with it all the time because I'd always back myself to get something done and then I would. And then that breeds you in, into this confidence that you think you can do everything and then all it has to do is go wrong once and then you're fucked, which is what happened, which is what happened to me. Um, mate, before like, I, I want to just finish on, on, on one of the things we're talking about because this is one of the things like I'm, I'm kind of trying to look at now because people, we always talk about mental health, physical health, but really there's just health, isn't it? When you, when you break it down, I don't think you can have one without the other. What is your, like the, your, 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 your fitness routine and stuff? How important is, is exercise and stuff to you? Yeah, I, I think if you, um, cause I'm tall as well, it's, it's a crazy excuse I know, but cause I'm tall, I find that I need to exercise more cause I you end up just getting lanky. So like you need to like try and keep some muscle on you. So <laughs> yeah, over the years, um, I've always, I actually would probably have wanted to be a personal trainer if I hadn't continued with being a DJ. I just think that I had a lot of friends in it. I, I actually believe it or not, I've got a really good knowledge of, uh, you know, personally, obviously like nutrition and macros and you know, calories in versus calories out and exercise and stuff. So I, I have a very good knowledge of, I, like if I wanted to tomorrow to get like, you know, a fucking six pack instantly and get an insane body, I, I would know what to do in, in 10 seconds. You know, I'd know what diet to be on, what amount of calories, you know, protein, right, right, right. But I don't, I just don't find that enjoyable. I like to, I like to be in like shape, like a good, uh, okay shape, but still in, like, be able to eat a curry or eat, you know, whatever, you know, a few times a week or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I when I was on tour because I was so jet lagged, I wasn't able to go to the gym in the in the hotels, and that was one thing that I really wish I'd done more because the exercising just did make me feel better about myself. Um, but I just strongly think having, if, I think the reason why we look at exercise as such a good thing is one, it's healthy. And two, it's a goal. I don't think it necessarily has to be exercise. If you go for a, if you go for a half an hour walk a day or an hour walk a day, but your goal is to write a book or your goal is to sew this jumper or whatever, I think that is good. I think we just associate um, exercise to be so important because you are normally saying, "I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I want to be healthier." But if you look at it in the I'm going to go for an hour walk a day. I'm already okay-ish, you know, healthy-ish. I'm not fat. I'm not skinny. I'm just normal. But I'm also going to have this goal. I think that to me is, that's what I would say is and having, just being healthy and having a goal is health in general to me. And one thing I'll just say, I'll come back onto goals is for anyone that is traveling, if you go to, when you check into your hotel or you get to wherever you're staying, do some exercise immediately, and it's. It, I don't know how it does it, yeah. but it gets you over jet lag so much better if you do, if you do that. I think it's probably because you've been stagnating on a plane for so long, but like yeah. you'll feel so much better for doing half an hour of exercise. But mate, well, goals, mate, then because goals, I think purpose in life is so important. In it, I don't think you can be happy without without purpose. So, what's your kind of like? What what is it that drives you and and, and like? you know is like your goals in in life moving forward i strongly believe that the goal initially when when i first started djing was to prove everyone wrong from school like because i said i was just a little like a small lad at school like i was tiny so um and i think it was just like out of my insecurity it was just to be successful and then that would like show everyone the thing that you don't understand is no matter how hard you try and please someone they don't like it's never gonna no one ever be happy enough so you never win so but that but, but kind of like that having that mentality may be successful so I, I thank everyone at school or 
whatever that was a bit of a dick because like that <laughs> that may that's take my house so fuck it you know but no in all seriousness like um yeah i mean like moving forward now the problem is is like most successful people were never happy and that's why you're successful because you always push even further and further and further but the sad part of it is you're never content and my goal now is to be content uh, and it's i'm trying to i want to like know in my head what will when you're like when you haven't quite made it to where you want to be i find you're quite content because you're still trying to reach somewhere and the journey's really really fun but i think when you get to the goal like what you go your brain goes what do i do now i'm still not where i want to be but you are but you're just used to it and i i think for me it's the, it's the i've got a real nice new property that I, i'm moving into and i'm just going to get i want to get that into like a I want to have more people come and stay with me, go in the studio with me more, have like nights with my friends come around, have nice cooking. I want to you know, have animals in my yard and stuff. And I think that's just now like what I want is just to understand that like music's not coming back straight away. I think it would be another year or so until we probably see normal-ish life. And I just, yeah, it's just hard for me. I'm just trying to like adjust to my new life. It's a really hard question actually, that one. I, I really, It's really hard for me to stay, but um into a, a kind of zone where I know what I want to do. But I do think next year I want to get into YouTube. I don't know why I really, really enjoy YouTube. I haven't really started it yet. It's the only thing I haven't really done. But I really feel like I, I watch a lot of YouTubers who do blogs. And I think I do quite well on there. I think that some of the shit I do would be epic. So I'll bring my whiteboard over. We'll do some conspiracy theory YouTubes. <laughs> now you get censored, mate. That's the problem. <laughs> you, know, you, you know as well as I do that um, the world's not 100% great right now. And, you know, we can, we can go down the rabbit hole and loads of stuff. But I just, the, the problem is now, mate, is they're censoring everything. So it's like, yeah. even that's getting controlled into a certain aspect. But yeah, I mean, I, I try not to think about any of that kind of stuff now because it's just, it's just frustrating. Yeah, I think you're right, mate, as well. Like, I think, um, I think as you're kind of growing up and you want, uh, like, I want to be a DJ or, or, or whatever someone wants to be, I want to be a soldier. Like, you're looking into the future for your goals. And I think once you've got those goals and you come closer to them, you start looking more of, I want to be happy day to day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, and it, it, it's that kind of, it's that process. And you do that by exercising on a daily. You do that by spending time with your family and friends. You do it with pets. I mean, I know you and me, we're massive fans of having pets. I really believe that. Like having someone in your having someone in your life that's not going to mouth back at you is is massive. Like a dog, you just get that un um you you know you that that unconditional love off them. They don't really want anything off you. A bit of attention, bit of feeding, and that's uh, that's it. And I think all that is is really important. But mate, I'd be well up for you getting a horse. Come up like braver. I let the hair. I let me. I let my hair down, mate. We'll have a photo shoot on there. <laughs> I think. Um, I think. Anna, my mum and dad. Uh, my parents are down in Cornwall, and I'm, I'm there now. Actually, I'm here between moving houses, so I'm here for a month. And um, I just see how much they just all they all they do is like walk on the beach, take the dogs, um, cook the nice food, and live a very simple life down here. And but they're happy. And ultimately, you know, the, the, most some of the most unhappiest people I know are actually the richest people. <laughs> As I'm sure the same with you, and I just feel that like once you've now once you've built something for yourself, why not fucking enjoy the simple things as well? And you and you you can you can use your you know do some epic shit with this, the money that you've earned or whatever, or live nice and comfortably, but just learn something new. So um, yeah, I think it's because our brains like I'm I haven't had a routine for ten years, you see. So I think because I just woke up and was told where to go, like Ben, you're in you know 
if you're doing a South Africa today, you're in you know Australia tomorrow. I think I was just used to just getting told what to do, and I think that kept me from ever worrying about things back home. I didn't have to worry about doing the dishwasher. I didn't have to worry about doing my washing. I just buy new clothes every day. I was at one, at one point I was buying new clothes every day. It was like just just to wear because I couldn't be fucked washing them. That's how much I was touring, mate. And then like now, now I'm back at home. I've got I'm responsible for Ben. I'm responsible to cook for myself. I'm not on a plane getting first class service, being a diva. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm at home having baked ba- ba- beans on toast, mate. Loving it, you know. So I'm- it's funny that it's funny, mate. Because if someone had said to you ten years ago, "Oh, you're just going to want to just like you're going to make the money, get to these big shows, and you're just going to want to take the dog for a walk," you thought they were mental. Yeah, but like you said, you you always want the opposite, don't you? And and now rather than wishing my life would go quickly, I'm now wanting to like you know we're getting older. I'm like. Oh, slow down, please. Just please go slowly. You know, I want to enjoy oh, days, and that's um, I, I, part of your midlife crisis, isn't it? I guess <laughs> definitely, mate. And that that's a bit, I keep saying that to people at the moment because don't get me wrong, like I'm not going to go into it. But people know I'm frustrated with lockdown, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. And like, I I hate seeing people wish their life away and go, oh well, I can't wait for it to be 2022. It's like no, like you're going to want these days. You're going to want these days back. Make the most of them. Yeah, hundred percent. I I agree with that so much, and. I do think as well, like when you wish time away, it's um, it, it's it's not a good thing to wish time away because the last ten years, because it was so much has happened, it's gone so quickly. Like it just feels like it's gone so quickly. So now I'm actually as much as this whole lockdown shit is um, extremely frustrating. Um, my life hasn't actually changed much because when I'm home from when I'm home from touring, I am literally usually either in bed recovering from jet lag or at the gym. So like for me. I'm not when I'm in England like this is not much different to what yeah. it's like for me at home I don't go shopping in the shops I'm always I do that when I'm abroad touring I don't really do anything apart from get food and so so this, this actually hasn't been a massive shock to me because I don't see my friends back at home I don't go for dinner um I don't you know go out clubbing when I'm back at home because obviously I'm usually performing uh doing it myself in the other side of the decks so in a foreign country so this actually hasn't for me it's not affected me as much as I thought it would in terms of when what I do when I'm at home so um yeah but obviously in terms of work massive but I'm I'm just not I'm just not thinking about the tour inside of things I've, I've done one like I said I've done Thailand haven't I done one show since but um I had to do two weeks quarantine just to play for an hour. It was just a ball eight, mate. I just, yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> uh, mate, I'm going to let everyone know where to find you um, in the outro and everything. So don't worry about that. I'll put everything in the show notes, links to everything. But do you got have cool. any, any parting words for the listeners, mate? Yeah, just the fact that we're all going through this together right now. And um, yeah, just um, just don't overburn yourself. Don't overthink things. And uh, hopefully for everyone, you, me, everyone listening or whatever, things will come back to normal and uh, we can crack on with... Uh, what we have set out to achieve guys thank you so much for listening today Ben thanks for coming on the podcast mate I really enjoyed that good to catch up and I'm sure there's a lot of things in there for people to uh, to take away and find useful when you're trying to make the way in your own lives guys I know it's hard sometimes um, I know a lot of the times you'll have people telling you you can't do this you can't do that um, and look, sometimes you need to listen to those people, but a lot of times you've got to just back yourself and go for it. And I think Ben is a great example of that. So please, please learn from it. And if you had, um, if you've enjoyed today, if you want to follow Ben, if you've not already followed him, just at Ben Nicky on social media, you'll find him um, on there. I'll put everything down in the notes as well. Um, so you can just go through links to Ben's site and, and all that kind of thing. I want to say thanks again to Combat Fuel for sponsoring today's episode and for sponsoring my juicy gains. Thank you guys. Check their, uh, check out their pre-workouts. 
I love the strawberry and lime pre-workouts, love the pump up and the vegan proteins as well. I just, I've switched on to them a couple of years ago, guys. And to be honest, I'm not switching back off them now. I just, I, something about the vegan proteins, just, they just, they just, tip, to me, they taste better and they mix better. Um, and they're a lot more of a pleasure to drink rather than trying to guzzle down a nasty protein shake. Um, one more, one more thing I'll ask you today, guys, if you did enjoy today's podcast if you uh, if you enjoyed it if you took value out of it if you think you learned something from it or if, if you, you know you were just entertained for a while um, please make a post tell a friend about it uh, help us grow the podcast help us bring more people along because there's a lot of veterans out there or a lot of people who will just I think benefit from hearing the messages on this podcast from our guests um, and I'd like to uh, give everybody an opportunity to hear it all right guys I'll catch you next time I love you bye <laughs>